being tender and loving with yourself is literally, it's counterintuitive to our society, but it is what is required to get you onto that promise you. That's what it's going to take to get you on the other side, to get you to that moment where you're right about to get on a stage. And now you can do the superhero pose. And now you can say afterwards, I went hard in the paint. Like I did the damn thing. I am a boss. I'm a badass, all the things. But you've got to use the tenderness, the compassion, the self-love, the embracing of the journey, almost as like, um, as fertilizer, as fertilizer in the soil so that you can break through the top of that ground, which is breaking through your fears. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Seek the Joy podcast. Happy Seek the Joy Tuesday. I'm your host, Sydney Weiss, and on the podcast today is Magali Renee. She's the CEO of Workplace Catalyst, a transformational executive coach and motivational speaker. And Magali and I first connected, I think it was 2020, when Lizzie Brown, the CEO of Yoga Wake Up, was on the podcast. And then last year, I attended this phenomenal workshop that Magali put together with Emily Merrill of Six Degree Society. Emily has also been on the podcast. And it was all about um, your inner critic, compassionate leadership. It was about imposter syndrome. And I told Magalie after like, um, hi, <laughs> you have to come on Seek the Joy podcast. We have to connect further and you have to, we have to have a conversation. And I'm so glad we did because in this conversation today, we talk all about how we can really use compassion to break through fear and in many ways, how we can begin to build resilience around fear of judgment and fear of failure and the importance to getting to the root of your fear. Magali is really a renowned compassionate leadership and communications expert, and she really believes that the future is compassionate. And so in this conversation, we also dive into the connection between compassion, courage, and confidence, and how we can begin to make empathy tangible. We talk about the value of compassionate leadership and why really everyone is a leader. Magali then shares the connection between compassion and confidence, how we can develop greater confidence in settings where we don't feel like we actually have it. And Magali dives into the behaviors that build confidence and behaviors that break confidence. This is probably one of my favorite parts of today's episode. Plus, Magali shares the mantras that drive her work, her biggest dream, and so much more. Now more than ever, I just think it's so important that we have reliable resources that we can turn to. And that's where today's sponsor, BetterHelp, comes in. So I would love to share with you a little bit more about BetterHelp. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. And it's easy and free to change counselors if you don't think the person you've matched with is a good fit. And no matter where you're listening to Seek the Joy podcast right now, you can also use BetterHelp because the service is available for people worldwide too. I just think it's so valuable to talk to someone about what it is that you're going through, whether that's anxiety, depression, grief, loss, changes at work, or 
friendship dynamics or relationships, or you want to talk about the challenges of the last couple of years. And BetterHelp offers a broad range of expertise in their counselor network. So you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions too, which I still think is a game changer. I really want you to live a happier, more joyful, and just ease-filled life. That's why I share these conversations with you. And so I'm just excited to share that as a listener of Seek the Joy podcast, you will get 10% off your first month by going to betterhelp.com slash seekthejoy. Join over 1 million people and counting taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash seek the joy. The link will also be included in our show notes. I really love this conversation with Magdalene. I'm so happy to share it with you in February right now, a month that is often so much about love and self-love and connections and relationships and often what keeps us from that element of self-love from those relationships, both that relationship, by the way, with ourselves and with others is fear. Often it's fear, it's limiting beliefs, it's self-doubt, and what a beautiful way to break through that fear is with compassion, both compassion for yourself and then also compassion for others. And exercising that compassion muscle is something that we don't always know how to do. And so I so I just so appreciate Magali and her work in this conversation. And as always, I can't wait to hear what you think. So make sure to join the conversation on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere, wherever you're tuning in right now. Hit subscribe, hit follow, leave us a five-star rating and review you because it always helps the podcast share this one with a friend I think right now especially these are the kind of messages and conversations we need so without further ado let's dive into this one how to break through fear with compassion with Magalie Renee Magalie I am so excited for for this conversation I feel like it's been long coming so thank you for coming on the podcast Thank you so much for having me, Sydney. Yeah, I do feel like it was destined. It was destined. (laughs) Totally meant to be. You know, I would love to start off because this conversation, I think we're going to talk a lot about compassion today and compassion in leadership and the connection, I think, between compassion and confidence. And I'm curious, where did your journey start with compassion and maybe even developing um, this level of compassion for yourself? Because it's a journey. It's definitely a journey. I think about uh, I just think about what it has taken for me to build my confidence and to create my businesses mm-hmm. and the root of it all in terms of shifting out of feeling like I'm a fake, like I didn't know what I was doing, like I wasn't good enough, like I would fail, uh, like there was no way I could make a reality, the life and the business that I wanted the root of that was because I was very hard on myself mm-hmm. and I really didn't understand I don't even think I ever thought of compassion. Like that was never even in my purview, right? I just worked hard. I I knew how to achieve in a very specific way, which was like being being very go, 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 Mm -hmm. uh, being somewhat rigid and judgmental with me. And that had gotten me pretty far in my life, I'd say. Uh, It wasn't like I wasn't successful. I'd gotten through through college. I'd gotten great grades. Um, I landed the job that I that I wanted. I had the career, the whole thing. And it, it moved me up the ladder in my career. Uh, it even helped me launch my first business. But 
my first business wasn't very visible and wasn't very seen. It was mm-hmm. like an, it was an interior design business. And it wasn't until I decided that I wanted to write a book. So I was uh, doing interior design very specifically for uh, a niche. So we did, we redesigned inner city schools. Uh, and I did that for like six years. And then I realized and decided I wanted to write a book. Hmm. Like I've, I've known since I was really young that I wanted to write a book, but I started the process and I literally spent a year and a half. Guess how much I wrote in a year and a half? Not even a page. Not even a page. How did you know? (laughs) (laughs) It just was a wild guess. I just had a feeling. I just had a strange feeling. Four four, uh, paragraphs. Wow. So I just kept writing and rewriting and deleting and rewriting for like a year and a half. I could Mm. not get past this first four paragraphs. Mm -hmm. And I realized... Somehow it took a little bit more than this. But I'm going to give you the condensed version. I realized that I was just in stuck in perfectionism. Yeah. And I couldn't get beyond feeling like it was never going to be good mm-hmm. enough. So I think that was the start of, of my real, the deeper journey around compassion and connecting that, realizing that that was like the linchpin to my sense of self-worth and my sense of confidence, or even the ability to be scared and do it anyway. Mm-hmm. I, the reason why I knew <laughs> you had not even written a page is just based upon how you were describing this element of being rigid and sort of hard on yourself. And I can imagine, cause I've been there too. You have this goal, you're working towards it, but you want it to be perfect, which means you don't allow yourself to fully dive in, in the way that you would, if you felt sort of uninhibited, if you just felt like I'm going to put it out there and see what happens when we strive, I think for this element of perfection, and this is coming from a perfectionist over here, we feel like every word on the page has to be perfect. It has to make sense. It has to line up the way that we want it to, in order to move to the next page. And what a beautiful analogy for life as well. Thinking we have to say that, (laughs) right. We feel like we have to have it lined up perfectly to move on to the next step. No, 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 no. Life is about imperfection and the way in which you navigate moment to moment, which will lead you to the next. It's not going to be perfect. You're not going to have it all figured out, but we know that, but we don't believe it for ourselves. It's like we have that knowing, but we don't trust it. So yeah. I get it a hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I love, I, you took the words out of my mouth because I was going to say that's <laughs> an analogy for life. Yeah. Right. And, and it's particularly those of us who are high achieving or those of us who have lofty goals, many of us who want to make a contribution in some way, shape or form, maybe it's through a business, maybe it's through a passion, or maybe it's just uh, sharing our story in some way or another, right? Mm-hmm. It could be even volunteering or, or having a nonprofit or something. I think those of us with those kinds of grand intentions, those deeper intentions tend to be really, we tend to struggle, be challenged by the feeling that it needs to look a certain way and it needs to be perfect. And I've got to write the exact, the, the exact perfect words on the page of my, the pages of my life, mm-hmm. right? I found too, you know, within perfectionism is this deep sense of fear, uh, the sense I'm inadequate, uh, there's self-doubt, um, you question yourself so heavily. I'm curious how we can begin to use this element of compassion um, to break through that fear, to break through this element of perfectionism, which I think so many can relate to, you know, no matter what area of your life it might be in. Yeah, I think it's a matter of recognizing, first of all, that every, like life, everything is a journey. 
everything is a process. People get so sick of hearing it. Trust the timing, trust your timing, <laughs> trust the journey, enjoy the journey. It's mm-hmm. so uh, trite, right? To say, mm-hmm. but there's a reason it's a cliche is because it's true. And once you begin to practice being just softening, right? Thinking about or recognizing how you speak to yourself, recognizing what's the messaging that you are, that your mind goes to more often than not. Is it going to, girl, you can do this. You got this. This is a new thing. You're going to feel crappy about it, but it's okay. Like, how are you really truly speaking to yourself? Um, I think that's one of the pieces, certainly. So, so embracing the journey, knowing that it's going to be about practice, not about perfection. And if you don't like everyone needs to start somewhere. And if you don't, if you're so afraid to start, you're never going to refine, right? Because there's no such thing as perfect. Mm-hmm. There's only refinement, like refining over and over and over. And anyone who's had any modicum of success has failed a bunch of times. So there's, there are so many levels to this and layers. I think the first is knowing it's going to be a process and practicing. Mm-hmm. I think the second is to pay attention to how you're speaking to yourself. And then the third piece of it is what is it going to take? And this is, this can be a back and forth conversation. So I'll, I'll get off my soapbox in a minute, but <laughs> no, stay gonna... on it. It's so good. <laughs> it's a beautiful soapbox. And it's okay, good, 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 so good. good. Continue, please. Um, what is it going to take to build your resilience around mm-hmm. two things, fear of judgment and fear of failure? Those are the two biggies, the ones that hang most of us up. Why 100%. are we percent Right? Mm-hmm. Because we don't want to fail. And we don't want to be judged. Amen. So, yeah, yeah. I say that those are the two and we could dive into that. But the fear of judgment, fear of failure, which I think hangs most of us up. That's where we've got to build our resilience and compassion supports that. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious about this element of resilience around fear of judgment and fear of failure, because something that I've had to do for myself is sort of change up my relationship with those fears. So to sort of acknowledge them for what they are, but change the relationship for me means um, sort of feeling the fear and doing it anyway, acknowledging that there could be judgment, but so what? No one is judging me harder than myself. And that's probably a whole other can of worms because the truth is, is no one's really looking at us as, as intently as we think they are. Like people are consumed with themselves, but really a lot of the judgment I think comes from within. And same thing with failure. It's redesigning how we look or define failure. I think that's so important as well, because I don't know about you, but I've started to look at moments that would be failure instead of it actually being failure. It's like, this is a stepping stone for me to the next. It's about that refinement that you were speaking to. It's allowing me to look at, okay, how could I handle this differently? How could I approach this differently? What did I actually learn from falling on my butt in a way that I was really afraid of, or that really shocked me or rocked my system. So I think for me, a lot of this has been changing up that relationship with failure and, and trying to, or, or fear in general and, and trying to see it differently. Yeah. I think you're 100% right. You know, I think that's what it takes for me. Uh, there was a, there were some steps before that, Mm. some deeper like digging that I needed to do. And that I think anyone who's really struggling, like challenged by this and feels like they're never going to get over their fear right? Because that's where I've been. I used yeah. to be so afraid. So I make a living for everyone to know what I do now. We'll probably talk about that too, but I make a living speaking. 
Mm-hmm. Right. The majority of the work that I do is all about speaking and writing and being seen and heard, visible, all of that. And what it so I was so afraid to speak that in a conference room, like a work conference room of like five people, if somebody said, you know, you'd have your supervisor or whoever's leading the meeting go, everyone's we're going to introduce ourselves, Let's go around the table. I would literally my voice would quiver. I would shake. I would mm-hmm. sweat like life and death, fear gripping me just to introduce myself in a conference room. Mm -hmm. And I've gone from that to being able to speak to thousands of people at a time. Which is huge, Uh, by the way, like huge, 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 huge to go from from feeling that way to speaking the way that you do, which I think we have to acknowledge because we all start somewhere. Yeah. yeah. And I don't think people talk about enough, like what, how it didn't work before and what it took to get to where you're going. So to circle back to the point, the point is it required some really deep digging on my part around when was the first time that I experienced a feeling of judgment, an experience of being judged negatively. Like I had to go all the way back and I was really badly bullied from like third through sixth grade. And on for me, it was racially motivated. It was a very challenging time. There was like a whole, you know, if you dig, if you dig into me, you find myself, you'll, you'll learn about it because I talk about it. But um, that really altered my sense of self. And like at the end of the day, anybody who's been bullied or ostracized, that's just, that's, that's my story, Right but it's, it's a deep trauma. It's a very deep trauma. I was also made my, my third or fourth grade teacher had embarrassed me when I got up, she asked me to get up in front of the class and share, uh, cause we had a fireman come. I was really young. We had a fireman come and he did a presentation and she had me get up and share. So Magalie, tell us, what did you learn from the presentation? Then I froze. Oh, no. I froze. And <sighs> instead of saying like, it's okay. You'll be fine. It's a little scary up there. Like any healthy adult would do. What she said was, what are you stupid? (gasps) This is literally what she said. And, and oh, you were shamed. Correct. I was shamed shamed. right then. I've been dealing with shame and judgment and ostracization. And that's what, that was the core root of what was in the way for me, Mm. but for you or for something, not you, but the you who is listening, right. It could be anything. It could be that your parents, you felt or experienced your parents giving your siblings more attention or accolade than you, or perhaps you had a society or parents or friends who uh, were very uh, success oriented and you needed to, to be almost perfect. Right. And you had to achieve it at such a high level, or maybe it was something that occurred in school. So whatever it is for you, that's, what is required for us to go deep and to really get to the root of what was that first incident and then be with that first incident and notice that that is what's driving you. It's not the fear of being judged by someone reading your stuff on social media. It is really the first person or people or event or circumstance that made you feel a sense of shame or not, not wor- a, la- a lack of sense self-worth because you you know, you, for whatever reason. So Mm -hmm. I'll leave that to you to decide, but Mm -hmm. you've got to get to the root of that. And once I did, I had to articulate out loud. Like I had a coach who helped me. He said, you've got to say it. You've got to put words to it. 
And I was like, it was a moment, y'all. I was like mm. hysterical crying and I had to say the words that I had said to me over the course of years when I was little, right? And it was in releasing that. And at the end of it, he said, and can you say, I love myself anyways? I'm getting mm. emotional. <laughs> but can you say it? I love yeah. myself anyway. And it was so hard for me to say at the end, and I love myself anyways. Mm -hmm. And that's the compassion that we've got to find for ourselves. Because if we don't find that for ourselves and get to the root of these things, then we're judging ourselves harder than everybody else is. And then we judge others in that same way. Mm -hmm. And that's where the compassion then, or lack thereof, expands and spreads. And we're bringing that judgment to our family, to our friends, to our significant other, to our workplace. And what are we creating then? right? The opposite of the kind of world that we want. So mm. thank you for sharing all of that. Really. I, it's so interesting because as you were speaking and you were talking about this element of shame and rejection that you experienced, I have no doubt anyone listening can pinpoint a similar moment in their lives. I certainly can, because at the root of those moments of shame, rejection, and judgment becomes this inherent belief that you're not good enough that you don't know what you're doing, that you are sort of inherently flawed, right? Yeah. Just by being who you are. And when you receive that message so young, you don't have the tools to combat it, to disagree with it, to believe otherwise, because especially if you continue then to have situations either within the home or at school or, or really anywhere that sort of reinforce those beliefs that you start to develop for yourself. And so much about being an adult, and I keep learning this every day, I swear, is about learning to sort of reparent yourself. And the way to do that is through what you just shared, this element of compassion and saying, hey, I, I love you anyway. So I just want to say thank you for this moment right now in this conversation, because you're right to even begin to reframe fa failure, judgment, fear in general. You've got to get to the root of yeah. where it started. And that takes an insane amount of courage and bravery and a willingness to show up and be vulnerable with yourself, which um, can be like looking into some kind of crazy mirror that we've never looked into before, which can feel ultra intimidating and scary. But at the other side of naming your experience is a sense of freedom and release and an ability to develop the type of relationship with self that you really strive for that then can be spread out to others and those relationships into the world at large. So I just want to say thank you because this is such an incredible reminder and yeah. such an in incredible truth, really. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, I'm, I think about, I love that you, you mentioned the courage and the bravery mm -hmm. because, you know, I think sometimes people use confidence and courage interchangeably. Yeah they're not the same thing. It takes courage to be confident. Mm -hmm. And in order to even require courage, you need to be scared. You need to be afraid. There needs to be some kind of self-doubt. So it's all part of the same plan. And I think it almost, it almost works as steps. First, I'm afraid and I recognize my fear. Ideally, you've done the work or you're going to do the work to excavate. Mm -hmm. right? To see where that comes from, especially if it's stopping you because everyone's afraid, but not everyone is, is being hindered by their fear. But if it is stopping you, then it takes courage 
yeah. to dig into that deeper root, right? To go there. And it's like opening a wound sometimes. And some people have real deep trauma and some people think they don't have trauma and it's something so little, but it is a wound, right? Mm -hmm. It's still something that gets to be looked at and healed. And that takes courage. Yeah. And only then really can you begin to develop confidence. It's on the other side of being courageous enough to look at the things that we're afraid of. Hmm. I want to talk a little bit more about this element of confidence because I think confidence shows up differently for all of us, right? Sometimes it can feel like um, standing up in a conference room and introducing yourself and feeling okay. Other times it can be walking down the street uh, and taking a direction or, or a route that you um, may have not done before and feeling like, oh, I can figure this out. And that, that walk can be metaphorical and actual literal. It just depends in the moment. Um, but I'm curious, what do you share in your work and in your, your speaking about this element of confidence? Because as I'm beginning to frame this question, I'm starting to think a little bit about that workshop you did that I attended with six degrees on imposter syndrome, because when you, oh, there's a lovely car outside. When you feel like you don't belong or you don't have the skill set, or um, you're not going to be able to succeed in the way that you would like to, because you're dealing with this element of imposter syndrome, I, I would imagine confidence is kind of thrown out the window, right? So Where's a good place? I mean, we know we just really dove into headfirst with compassion and confidence, but I'm curious, where's a good place to start in terms of maybe beginning to develop greater confidence for yourself in settings where you just feel like I, I don't, I don't, I don't have it. I don't, I don't have it. And how do I get it? Yeah, this is a great question. How do I find my confidence? How do I tap into my confidence when I don't feel like I have any? Great question. Thank you so, so much, by the way, for saying that so much more eloquently than I could get out in oh, that moment. So, so you, I love so it. I, I just repeat it in a way so that I can take it in and then decide we are going to go. No, but you taking oh, it I'm in glad. is saying it in it the way I meant it. So please. Yes, exactly. So I think, let's see. I think there are behaviors that build confidence and there are behaviors that break confidence. Mm. So in terms of the practice, which this is what it is, you're not going to all of a sudden wake up, blink, right? I, I love uh, people like Amy Cuddy, right, who talked about having that superhero pose and that superhero stance. When I read that, I thought to myself, I was still deep in fear about public speaking, and I thought to myself, I can't even imagine that I'm going to be on stage. I wouldn't mm -hmm. even put myself in a situation to be on stage so superhero pose is not going to help me because I'm not even there. Yet. <laughs> that idea was so far removed. Yeah. I was like, this is so far removed from where I am and how deeply fear is, is stopping me. So you've got to, we've got to back it out a bit. Right. Mm -hmm. And we've got to think of again, when, when we're talking about practice, we're talking about behaviors. Mm -hmm. So the behaviors that break confidence are comparison right? Are you comparing yourself? What is your, your ideal? What is your ideal and your idea of success? Who are you? What are you comparing yourself to? Mm -hmm. Is that creating fear for you? Is it, is it feeding the fear, right? Because comparison is the thief of joy. It feeds the fear. I'm on social media and I'm looking at what everybody else is doing. And I'm like, I need to be like that. Like I thought I needed to be Oprah. I am not kidding you. And I felt mm -hmm. if I couldn't be Oprah who had been had a 25 year run on a show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if I couldn't be her, 
then I was a failure, right? So I really needed to adjust my idea of success. I needed to stop comparing myself. At one point, I unfollowed everybody on social media so that there was less noise Mm -hmm. because behaviors that build confidence is removing noise, Mm -hmm. right? That's a behavior. Start to trim the fat. Look at what is the content you're taking in. Another behavior that builds confidence is trust. Trust timing, trust yourself, trust that the universe, I'm going to sound, you know, but I know your listeners get me. Trust that the universe (laughs) has your back, Mm -hmm. right? Trust that the universe has your back. Like there is good out there for you to experience. There is good out there waiting for you. And it's occurring. Trust that the work that you put in is enough. Don't be, so if the car the cars on the road are the work that you're putting in. Don't be the person that gets in the middle. Your worry gets in the middle of traffic and it, and it throws everything off. Mm-hmm. So what is a behavior that builds confidence, trust, um, releasing comparison, trusting your timing, which means if we want it, if you're the kind of person that wants everything to work out right now and you want to be great right now, you got to shift that because you're not going to be great right now. You're going to require, it's going to require your effort, your time, building the skills, right? Mm -hmm. Honing your skills. So a behavior that builds confidence is releasing the need to be perfect now. Mm -hmm. That's another behavior that builds confidence. I'm trying to think of of what they are. Uh, Certainly your Mm self-talk, right? How, what are you saying to yourself? And uh, acknowledging, I think acknowledgement is probably the biggest one. There were times that I've acknowledged myself for brushing my teeth in the morning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody's ever struggled with depression, then you know that it's valuable. Sometimes that's all you can get done in a day and you've got to acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. So are you acknowledging the things that you're doing well that are working? Have you been keeping a log of them? That's a yeah. behavior that builds confidence. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing all that. You know, what's so interesting is I think we often wait for the big milestone, quote unquote milestone to celebrate, to acknowledge, to uh, build recognition around. And the truth is, is that if you can find even one moment in a day to acknowledge, to celebrate, to recognize, it does build confidence because the truth is, is there's gotta be at least one thing, even if it's brushing your teeth, even if it's walking out your front door on a day where that feels impossible, or it could be the biggest win of all, whatever it is that you've been working towards. But I love what you said about this element of acknowledgement. And then also trusting your timing, I think is important too, because, oh my God, there are so many timelines out there that we feel like we should be adhering to. And we feel like if we are not following there's something inherently wrong with us. And so acknowledging your unique timeline, I just had a beautiful conversation with Laura Banky about this. Um, it's so valuable. It changes the game when it comes to self-talk and self-love and um, releasing expectations. And I mean, it's huge. It's so huge. So, so huge. It makes me think of the Sagrada Familia, which mm-hmm. I just went to Barcelona recently and I had never been. And I, I, I've never been so moved by a work of art. It just, it is unprecedented. And Mm -hmm. one of the lines, the famous lines from Gaudi, who is the architect who created something that's still being built centuries, literally 2026 will be a hundred years since his passing. 
Wow. He died, not even since he started the Sagrada Familia. So wow. he created something that lasted generations. And the line, so when he was asked by one of his apprentices, when is this, well, well, master, when is this going to be finished? Like, when is the Sagrada Familia finally going to be finished? And he said, uh, my boss has, I'm going to butcher this, this quote, but it's something like, my boss has no timeline or my boat. My boss has no deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, God, Oh, I'm going to mess it up completely. I've got to find it on my social media, but it's like, it's like God has no timeline. Yeah. He's got no deadlines. And this is something he's leaving. Like Gaudi was leaving this for others to take on. Mm-hmm. So time is really a construct. We've created yeah. a time is just, it's not even real. And if you can lean into that, while you're type Aing and working towards your goals, if you can lean back into that detachment, right? Deepak Chopra's law of detachment and release the attachment that you have to it looking very specific mm-hmm. and happening in a very specific amount of time, you might actually be surprised by how incredible it all turns out because mm-hmm. it might be better than you ever expected it to be. Mm. This this concept of attachment, I think is so, so, so interesting because it's, what are we actually attaching ourselves to? What is the goal? What is the outcome? If it's a tangible thing that you're creating or a milestone that you're working towards, yeah, you're going to feel a sense of anxiety or worry or stress as you continue to work towards it. And then if you don't reach it, you're going to feel like a failure. You're going to feel like crap. You're going to feel like, oh my God, I messed up. You're setting yourself up. Yeah, exactly. But what if instead you attach yourself to what you learn along the way to the, what you gain, the relationships, the experiences, uh, the internal growth that comes, what if we start to attach ourselves to that as opposed to some big tangible thing, milestone, um, degree, you know what I'm trying to say? It's like the experience. Yes. And I think that's the process. Yep. And I think that's what we need to start to shift towards. And maybe that's where some of this compassion comes in because maybe it's more about how you allow yourself to continue to refine you, right? To um, build you, who you are as a person and your relationships and that relationship with yourself as opposed to these other things on the external. I just think if we can start to shift our mindset a little bit that way, it aids itself towards compassion because you start to see yourself differently and your experiences differently and what you're gaining from them a little bit differently. That's been my experience in the last couple of years because I, um, spoiler alert, super type A, get very hard on myself, can be super rigid. And every time I catch myself in the moment and I try and shift towards, Hey, what am I learning? What was the purpose of this? Um, how am I changing as a result? Who am I meeting? Who am I becoming friends with? Who, what are they teaching me? I start to soften, like physically in my body, I start to soften and I start, I stop feeling so stressed and it's just been such a game changer. So beautiful. I love the way you put that because the word that came through just now was tenderness. It requires, right. It requires a tenderness, like, and it's counterintuitive because Success has specifically in our Western culture and our society, 
success is about go hard. Yeah. Like I go hard in the paint that is rewarded. And that's the way we kind of measure our ability to succeed. Go, go. What no, I was going to say, and by the way, when you say it, it sounds so badass. Like I'm going hard. Like I'm pushing myself. Like it sounds like it's coming from a space of strength. When you say I'm being tender with myself and I'm nurturing myself in this moment and I'm learning through, and you start to phrase it differently it doesn't traditionally sound as badass, but it can. But when you say like, I'm going hard, it just sounds like, God, I don't know how to explain it. It just sounds like, you know what I mean? Like you're pumping yourself up. It has a different connotation to it. I, I mean, anyway, there are different, listen, and both of those things are effective. Totally. Talking about my experience or your experience or some of you listeners, your experience with fear, having mm -hmm. that hold you back right? Mm -hmm. And imposter syndrome or feeling like you're not going to succeed or you're not good enough or whatever the story is. So we've got to think about the context. And in this context, being tender and loving with yourself is literally, it's counterintuitive to our society, but yeah. it is what is required yeah. to get you onto that promise you. That's what it's going to take to get you on the other side, to get you to that moment where you're right about to get on a stage. And now you can do the superhero pose. And now you can say afterwards, I went hard in the paint. Like I did the damn thing. I am a boss. I'm a badass, all the things. But you've got to use the tenderness, the compassion, the self-love, the embracing of the journey, yeah. almost as like, um, as fertilizer, as fertilizer in the soil so that you can break through the top of that ground, which is yeah. breaking through your fears, right? And then you can be right before you get on stage or right before you do that scary thing. I've got this. I've got this. I've got this, right? I killed it out there. Yeah, you nailed it. Language. You nailed it. And it's so interesting because it's within that tenderness too, that I really think we start to feel seen, heard, and valued, which are things that as humans we are constantly striving for. And it's within that tenderness within yourself that you start to, to feel seen, heard, and valued. And then other people can see, hear, and value you as well. Um, I think that's such an inherent part of compassion is that element of see, being seen, heard, and valued. I, I just, it, I don't know where that thought came from, but it just came out of nowhere. And I was like, I have to say it. I think it makes Well, sense. no, it's, it's, it's probably just had a download, girl. That's like channel, <laughs> channeling right there. We'll go with it. We'll I'm go with all it. About that. I'm all about that life. And uh, what's coming through as you say that is our deepest human need mm -hmm. is connection. Yes. That's one of our deepest, most fundamental human needs. And connection is about being seen, heard, and valued. Mm -hmm. And again, that comes from, that starts in probably in the womb, but certainly in your family life and in your upbringing, but it also shows up in every area of your life. And for those of you who have goals, big goals, exciting goals, or things that have been on your heart for so many years or so long, and you've been afraid for whatever reason, know that that is the root of it. It's because you want to be seen, heard, and valued for your gifts, for your skills, for your talents. And that is possible. It's 100% possible. Mm -hmm. Once you really connect compassion, you be courageous, you will find your confidence, and then you will be seen, heard, and valued on a way bigger scale than maybe you ever intended. So mm, that is so good. I just, I love the way you said that. That is just 
it is so good. And it makes so much sense because the truth is, is this is all interconnected. Nothing I think exists in sort of isolation. And I'm, I'm curious too, because I know so much about of your work is about um, compassionate leadership and that can apply both to the workplace, but also within your relationships and at home. And so um, what is compassionate leadership? Because it's a word I think we, or a phrase, I should say, we've been hearing a lot more of. I had a conversation last year with um, Scott Shute. He's the head of mindfulness and compassion programs at LinkedIn. And he talks a lot about this. And so I'm curious for you and your work, what is compassionate leadership? And um, are we, what, what trends are you sort of seeing with this? Because I think it's something that's coming up more and more. Yeah, so the work that we do at Workplace Catalyst, that's one of my two businesses, but uh, Workplace Catalyst is we work directly with mission-driven organizations, and we support them in bridging and learning compassionate leadership, well-being, and belonging. So those three pieces go together. Mm -hmm. Compassionate leadership is about empathy and action. Like, how do we put that into action? Um, It's about what kind of leader do I want to be? as I do the work of leading, Mm. right? So it takes us out of the tasks, the the work of of our leadership, and it moves us into our ways of being. What are the characteristics, the behaviors, the ways that we speak? What questions are we asking? How are we approaching our work? How are we approaching our people? How how are we approaching our leadership? Uh, And I think Certainly in the workplace, the term empathy is such a catchphrase and it just means everything, but it means nothing because a lot of people, right? Half of us, um, this is not actually numerically so, but I'm just saying half of us operate from an emotional feeling space. The rest of us operate from a logical intellectual space. Mm -hmm. So empathy can be a word that gets lost for people. But I think even those of us who are very logical and intellectual, we do get what understanding is, right? We we understand that. That's like something we can we can easily get around, get behind, uh, understanding, caring, listening, right? Asking questions, being curious. Those are ways of being that create compassion. And I think that takes that takes empathy and makes it tangible and practical for people. So that's what compassionate leadership is, uh, as I see it, and that's what we teach. Certainly, that's how we work with with uh, with organizations and with companies around building those skills. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the other half of my work, which also connects compassion, courage, and confidence, is person to person. So that's the work that we do with consumers. And so, you know, it would be B to C if you were thinking about it on a, from a business perspective, but it's, it's direct, it's coaching and courses and programs for people who are like me or like you, who have a vision, who have a goal, who have been very afraid, who have stopped, stopped and started, uh, who know that they want to launch. Maybe they've attempted to before and haven't, um, who maybe want to pivot in some way, uh, but they've got a bigger goal or some, some, something they're, they're passionate about in life and they want to break through the fear around that. And so mm-hmm. I teach what I've done myself and what mm-hmm. I've learned along the way. It's so interesting because I think such an 
what, what you said about empathy is so timely because I think we're seeing more and more this element of wanting to bring not only our full self and our real self to work. And that can mean anything for anybody, whether you're in corporate America or a family business, or you work for yourself or you're building a team, whatever that might look like. We want to bring more of ourselves to work, but then we also want to, um, be who we are at work. And so I think a lot of this is about bringing this human element of who we are to whatever it is that we're doing. And in order to do that effectively, we need to bring empathy, compassion, understanding, mindfulness. There are so many different qualities and traits and experiences uh, that we need to bring in those moments, uh, whether you are a leader because you are a manager of a team or you are just a leader, which can also, I think, mean um, showing up and being your best self and leading in your own life, right? And so I think so interesting, this element of empathy, because it's what's, I think, going to connect us and elevate us and bring us to that next step, which is, I think, so interesting. Things are changing as a result of this pandemic and the multiple pandemics we've experienced over the last two years. And it starts, I think, and stops so much with empathy and, and compassion, but empathy really uh-huh. Uh, yeah. yeah. Something that you, you just said, and I was just like, yes, girl, because you, you were like, you're leading at work and you're also showing up. Right. And there's something or you said something like that. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. But what I heard there is what I often tell people when I'm facilitating is that everyone is a leader. Everyone. Whether you have a title, an executive title or not, you're leading, you are the leader of your life. Mm-hmm. You're the leader in your home. You're the leader in your work, in your work uh, product, right? You are a leader. Exactly. So I do think it is really valuable to recognize that you have power. We all have some sort of power uh, and that we can wield that. We can be leaders and we can be compassionate leaders in all areas of our lives. I love the focus on empathy. And I do, I cannot overstate enough that there are practical ways to take action on that Mm -hmm. uh, for those of us who really don't get how, who may feel that emotion is too complicated to bring into the workplace, or maybe that's just not how you identify, right? And that's okay. I want to make it okay for people to be emotional beings and to be intellectual and thinking beings and to be a combination of all of those. Uh, And we can all learn how to be empathetic because there are processes and steps, certainly that I teach, but processes and steps to make that actionable, Mm -hmm. which is really compassionate. Mm -hmm. Mm, So good. This is so good. I have loved I love this conversation. I I don't want it to end, but it has to, unfortunately. So we may have to do a part two at some point. I feel like I've been saying this a lot um, as I'm getting back into recording for the podcast. And I've been saying this to almost every single person I've connected with. Okay, we're going to do this again. We'll have to do a part two. Like these conversations have been so good and valuable and full of tangible, um, I think, insight and advice. So Magali, I can't can't thank you enough. So as we wrap up, there are a couple of quick fire type questions I would love to ask you. All right. So my first one has got to be, do you have a go-to mantra or affirmation or, or quote something that has um, helped guide you with this work, either with compassion in general or compassionate leadership, just something that um, you hold on to that, that drives you as you continue to move forward? Yeah. I, I'm thinking of two. One is face your fear and find your shine, mm. right? That's like my, that's one of my taglines. Um, I have three. So two are mine. One is my mom's. 
So face your fear and find your shine. The future is compassionate, right? Remembering that, knowing that, that will be how I act. That will be how I, how I behave. That will be like, that brings me hope. Uh, and then finally, uh, I'm hopefully saying that in French correctly. My parents are Haitian and my mother always says this little by little, the bird makes its nest. Mm. So I think of that all the time because it's been such a long journey for me in my career and my business and it's taken time. And there were so many moments when I was like, when the hell is this going to happen? When am I going to find success? Yeah. But recognizing that it's a process and little by little, the bird makes its nest. Mm, that reminds me of mine, which is stay patient and trust your journey. Because oh, um, so much of this is about patience and, and trust, which you and I talk so much about um, in this conversation. Do you have a song that you listen to on repeat or just a song that you're loving a lot right now? Yes. Okay. There's a song that gets me. It's called Thank You by Kehlani. I love it. <laughs> Does it get you like really hyped and excited? It gets me, it's that one. So Thank You by Kehlani. That gets me like, it always puts me in the mood of mm. cont cont contribution, yeah. right? How can I make a difference? I always feel very like empowered. And then I'm going to be real hokey right now, but Katy Perry, uh, Roar is my jam. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, amps. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's not hokey. Is it hokey? Maybe it is. Or yeah, isn't the, I think the word that was going around um, to describe our generation was chuggy a while back ago, like on TikTok. Yeah. Like anything that was like sort of like super millennial was was chuggy. And I was like, I don't oh, know what that, that means, but we'll go with it. We'll go, um, with, we'll go with it. Is there a book that you've read um, that has really maybe contributed to your self-help development journey. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Okay. What is it? Absolutely. This one gets me. I tell everybody about this book. I read it in 2008 and it was my first entry into personal development and it's by Louise Hay and it's called You Can Heal Your Life. Mm. If you buy this book, it will change your life. Uh, and also buy the one with the addendum, which has a, an index for all the he your health concerns and what the metaphysical uh, all the metaphysical reasons behind them. It's oh my God. amazing. It changed my life. I lie to not. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's amazing. Okay. My last and final question for you. And this is really the question I ask everyone, uh, that comes on seek the joy podcast. And, uh, that is, what is your biggest dream? My biggest dream is to be a world renowned speaker and author. That's, that's mm. the biggest dream. You're on yeah. your way. For You're sure. Totally and, on your way. Yeah, and to go to India. That's the other thing. That's my okay. dream. Yeah. Like three months in India. Oh, <laughs> I love this. I love this. Magali, this has been so, so wonderful. And I'm so glad that we really dove headfirst into compassion and its connection to courage and confidence. And I just can't thank you enough for, for this conversation. So where can everybody find you, connect, uh, learn more and, and follow along? Yeah, definitely. So we're relaunching the website. It's magalierene.com and you'll find Workplace Catalyst there too. It's also workplacecatalyst.com. And finally, at Magali underscore Renee on Instagram, because we're launching in January, our second annual uh, Courage and Confidence Program. Very powerful work, five days and uh, transformational, certainly. And some of the the responses that we've gotten to that program is incredible. So find me on Instagram and you'll learn all about all of the many things that we do. 
perfect. Everything will go in the show notes. So we'll make it so easy for everyone to connect with you and learn more and find that program. And again, just thank you. This was wonderful. I just really, really enjoyed sitting down with you. So thank you, Magalie. Good chat. Good chat. It was so good. Me too. Seek the Joy podcast is a production of Seek the Joy Media and created, produced, and hosted by me, Sydney Weiss. You can tune into all of our episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're enjoying the show, hit follow and leave us a five-star rating and review. Make sure to join the community, join the conversation on our social media channels, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. We are at Seek the Joy Podcast everywhere. And don't forget, you can actually watch today's new episode and all of our episodes on our brand new YouTube channel. Click that link in the show notes to subscribe and tune in. As always, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you right back here next week for another Seek the Joy Tuesday.